Fifty States of Terror may include descriptions and discussions unsuitable for young audiences. Episodes may contain adult themes, language, and content. Listener discretion is advised. Recorded in front of a live studio audience. Jimothy, if you don't eat your spam, you can't grow up big and tall. I don't wanna! No, don't feed it to the dog. (laughs) When your father gets home... Hello, darling. Sure was a rough day at the office. Be a dear and grab me an ice-cold bear from the icebox, would ya? Oh, of course. And here's your paper, too. You're such a good wife. Say, what's for dinner? Salisbury steak. Salisbury steak again? Oh, we had that yesterday. You said it was your favorite. Oh, it's okay, though. You are a fantastic cook. You and your better hopes and gardenings and your and your magazines and such. Crazy thing happened on my way home. I could have sworn I saw a snallygaster on the roads. A snallygaster? Can you believe that? Glad we have that snallygaster repellent. Good old Jacobs, the repellent expert, sold us. <laughs> From that dirty salesman. I didn't like the look of him at all. I've never even heard of a snallygaster before he came. Who knows if they're even real? You would buy anything from someone in a well-fitted suit. How do you think we got that fallout shelter in the back? (laughs) Great heavens, what was that? I didn't even know the alarms actually worked. I thought it was all just a bunch of propaganda. Honey bee, dear, let's all take the kids and let's go down to the shelter. Now this is no time for an I told you so. At least there we won't have Salisbury sick every night. You said it was your favorite. Oh, well, I tell you a lot of things. So you don't like my dress? Oh, your dress is fine, honey. As fine as my Salisbury steak? Well, that's real for me to know and you're to find out. That bomb isn't the only thing about to go nuclear. You better hope that that salesman was of better quality than the snallygast repellent salesman. I don't even think those are real. Come on, Jimothy. Let's go to the shelter. Well, in the doghouse again. But at least she doesn't know that in the shelter, there are no doghouses. This is Maryland, the old line state. Hello, everybody out there, and thank you again for listening to us at 50 States of Terror. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Oh, we're like singing. If you know that reference, then how is your back feeling? Do you need some Advil? Because that's an old show. But do you know that what that show, the show is? It's a welcome back, Carter. Yeah, that's a very young John Travolta. Oh yeah, no, not interested. It's a, it's a he funny ass. Me out. <laughs> He's, it's a funny ass show. I like that show was funny. I mean, other than Pulp Fiction, I don't know if I'm a real big John Travolta fan in general. He did some pretty good shows. Did some and some pretty good movies. He just weirds me out. Really? Yeah, I, I've got a whole thing with like John Travolta, Nick Cage. There's another one, and they all just kind of give me the heebie-jeebies. Like, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't know who hurt me or why those people trigger that feeling for me, but I do not enjoy their faces. They're aliens. Yeah, they probably are. They're lizard people. That would explain their aging process. <laughs> yeah, they don't. <laughs> Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is another one, and I don't really care for Tom Hanks. Well, Keanu Reeves also doesn't age, but I love Keanu. But Reeves. Keanu Reeves is one of the cooler people in Hollywood that doesn't act like they have a plethora of assets to them. So they're they're just really down to earth people. Yeah. I mean, I could see Keanu kind of doing the same thing as like Jim Carrey. He just gets to a point and he's like, you know what? I have enough. I I can retire. I'm done. I'm done. (laughs) So yeah. Nope. No to Tom Hanks. No to Tom Cruise. No to. (laughs) But if you're fans of the show, we love you. Thank you for listening. And if you're listening to the show right now, there's only about five days away from Pride Month being over. So I hope you had a safe and wonderful Pride. And if you had any issues and you have a 
very strict family. Hey, guess what? I'm your father now. I'm going to give you some advice. You know, I love you. You're cool. Pay your taxes. Wash your pits. Yep. Wash your hair maybe like every other day. Uh, Be safe. And make good choices. And make good choices. Also, I provide free vaccinated mom hugs. So if you need one of those, we can be your people. Hell yeah, we can. We hope that you enjoyed our Pride episode. I hope you checked out Black Sheep Aesthetics. And that was the first episode where we, mainly you, went on location and set up everything and did an, an interview style podcast, which was a first for us. So it was enjoyable. And we're going to do that again. I definitely learned a lot. So thank you for bearing with me on kind of like figuring out the audio of that. You can't learn anything if you don't, you know, maybe not fail, but at least try. And so just having that experience, I really think set me up to to do better things in the future. It was great to have him on the show. So thank you very much. Now, if this is your first episode, because we do have people that are jumping in for the first time on some of our most recent ones. So this is your first show. You know, hey, thank you for listening for your first time. We are kind of sticking to this new format that we present to each other. Anthony is presenting this week. So Anthony has done all of the research. I might know a little bit about the cryptid, but Anthony is going to be presenting the entire story or the folklore or the origins or all of the things that make this cryptid interesting. You are going to be getting my raw reactions. And then we're going to come together and we're going to rate the cryptid at the very end and let you know what we thought about it. Also, it's our anniversary. It is. We we did this for one year. One year. So we're recording this actually on our one year anniversary. How fitting. It is. It's extra fitting because our logo is loosely based on the cryptid we're covering right now. We are venturing into Maryland. Now, let's just get this started. I'm going to put on my forever DM hat. And for those out there who play Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder and all those awesome tabletop RPGs, DM, Dungeon Master, the guy behind the screen, the guy who tells the story. I'm going to put that hat on and we're going to venture and we are going to hop on the imagination train. And where does it leave from? The imagination station. Where all your crazy shit just kind of pops out of nowhere. Unless that's copyrighted by someone else, specifically the big D. And then we will probably get a cease and desist letter. The big D. <laughs> the big one. <laughs> well, I don't even know if I should say their name. It's, I think it's probably like a Voldemort situation. Oh, we could probably say. We just can't do anything after we say it. <laughs> we'll just leave it to your imagination. If you don't know who the big D is, you probably don't have children. <laughs> oh, that didn't help. The, that doesn't, that help, doesn't all. help at all. That's, that's <laughs> gross. So, like I was saying. <laughs> we, so rudely interrupted. We are going to enter the imagination train. And it's going to hop on the imagination track. And it's going to go all the way to the imagination land. Welcome aboard. Yeah. I feel like I should add more sound effects here. Like I should like have the train coming in. Toot toot. Imagine yourself in the year 1909. And you live in a two-story house in Frederick county maryland now the city doesn't matter because frederick county is just a gorgeous place and there are approximately 15 different cities within the county if you imagine yourself in the eastern part of the united states and the western part of maryland neighboring to west virginia you can imagine the green hills the large trees full of life the sky is open sun is shining It's 1909, so there's no real hustle and bustle on the streets. You exit your two-story house, and your house is comfortably set upon this small little hill going down into the downtown area. There are maybe people outside enjoying their, their coffee or whatnot, and they do the neighborly wave, and you wave back, and everything is just all hunky dory at the moment. The houses look colonial. The streets are freshly paved, and you can hear the children playing in the downtown area, and everything looks serene, and it looks friendly. This is five years before the start of World War I. You don't necessarily know 
what is going to happen to the world because everything just feels so right. You exit your house, you turn to the right, and you start to venture down to get your morning supplies. Because this is 1909, you don't have delivery services, you don't have Uber or, or pickup at local grocery markets. As you're walking down the street, in your horizon, you see the town beyond that. You see the gorgeous Western Maryland scenery. And you have this comfort that everything is just fine. Everything is gorgeous. Everything is beautiful. Now, this sounds like the beginning of a horrific Cthulian horror landscape. And you might be right. Because as you walk down, there's something in your mind that makes you look up. And when you look up, you see a very, very, very tiny speck, and it's within the clouds. You stop and you stare, and the speck just seems to go in circles, and it's just traveling very, very slowly. But the speck starts to get larger. And as it's getting larger, you can see that it doesn't necessarily have a fundamental shape to it. It's kind of like a blob until it gets well beneath where it was. And then you see it. This very large reptilian creature with wings, with a single beak, a single eye. And for this encounter, it almost looks like there are tentacles that are protruding outside of the beak. It's horrifying. It makes you stop. It sends shivers down your spine. The hairs start to go up in the back of your neck. You start to wonder what this thing could be. And almost like a modern-day jet fighter, it tucks its tail in, swoops down, picks up a neighboring livestock and in swift motion goes back into the air and then blinks out of existence. And you're left wondering what it was. Well, allow me to tell you what it was. Well, damn, that was a hell of a picture you just painted me there. (laughs) Well, that, my friends, was a Snallygaster. A what? A Snallygaster. Bless you. Gazoontite. Snallygasters have different descriptions, and we will discuss exactly, you know, when in time did the description change. But the earliest description of what happened in the 1909 story that I told you was a half reptilian, half bird with a metallic-like beak with razor-sharp teeth. And this thing was winged. We will go into the whole entire story of the Snallygaster when it started in the 1730s, and then when the last sighting occurred in 1932. I remember that year well. Oh, I'm sure we did. It was a great year. It was Uh, a great year. Yeah, Prohibition. Yeah, it was a fantastic year. Wait, was Prohibition still going on in the 30s? Yeah, because Prohibition was going on pre-World War II. We didn't enter World War II into the 1940s. It ventured in from the 20s into the 30s. So here you are in Maryland, and you see this creature. And this current encounter happened in Cumberland, the original sighting in 1909. Is that where Benedict's from? Benedict? Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, you can, gotcha. You can say his name however you want to, but you always <laughs> you know. know it is. can be like Benadryl Cumberbatch or Cucumber Patch, and it's always... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so what's going around the time of 1909? So the Wright brothers flew the Wright Flyer in 1903. Oh. A few years before this encounter, we have first flight. How awesome is that? And you think about the the advancement of technology since that time is incredible. We won't get into the debate on whether they were the first to fly or not, because that's not our kind of podcast. We're just going to go for the generally (laughs) accepted Kitty Hawk situation. And you can do your own research and come to your own conclusions on your own podcast. Yeah. And across the pond, Ivy Evelyn Woodward is admitted as the first woman as member of the Royal College of Physicians in the UK. Hey, get it, girl. That bitch alert. Also what happened in 1909, which at the time was a spectacular thing to happen, is the excavation of a dinosaur bed that would become Dinosaur National Monument under the National Park Service. 
So what this was is a large excavation. And then what they did is they preserved the entire thing. And when you go to the park, you see this half excavated dinosaurs and there's like four of them. They're huge and they're all intact. And where was that at? It's in Utah. The park is the Dinosaur National Monument. So if you have a chance, if you're in Utah, go check it out. It's it's freaking awesome. Okay. I have to ask because we have a four-year-old obsessed with dinos and I know we've mentioned it. Is that where the Utah Raptor was found? I'm going to just go ahead and assume yes. Okay. Because there is a raptor <laughs> and that's where it was first found. And it's called the Utah Raptor because, you know, there's only so many things that you can name a freaking dinosaur. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, and like we find one here, I'm going to call it, you know, Anthony Asaurus. <laughs> Anthony Asaurus. That might already be taken. You're going to have to check the table of contents of dinos. Well, shit. <laughs> the 50 States Asaurus. The 50 States Asaurus. <laughs> <laughs> so we have this first encounter, this first signing in 1909 of the Snallygaster in Cumberland. So let's just go ahead and talk about what the Snallygaster is. Tell me about it, Stud. So the Snallygaster is this unbelievable creature. Now, where does something like this might come from? Well, it originated in stories in the same area in the 1730s by German immigrants. If you remember our previous episodes, you know that the Europeans colonized this area from all the way up from North Canada, all the way down to Louisiana and eastern and western parts of that. So you have all these Europeans coming in, Germans, French, Spanish, English, what have you. And I think it's just important to kind of note here that you're having separate settlements in different areas. So you're saying that this area was predominantly German? This area was predominantly German. Okay. So north of that, you would have seen a lot of the French settlers. Correct. Which that's where we get the Acadian um, and the Canadian... I don't know why that made me giggle. The Acadians in Canada, yeah. <laughs> those were the ones that were forced to travel south. So this is a German settlement specifically. It makes sense. Acadians, Canada. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> we're just making all these connections. We've, we've been hearing from people that they find our podcast educational, which was not the intent that we started this podcast with necessarily. But, hey, but if you leave this with some new knowledge, then... I mean, who are we to stop you? <laughs> yeah, for real. So in the 1730s, the Germans have brought their different cryptids, monsters, ghouls, ghosts, demons from Germany all the way to the Americas. Naturally. So when you talk about something like the Snallygaster, is the Snallygaster originating from Europe? And the answer is no. What? It is a, a combination of certain other cryptids and monsters that go in line with German superstitions. Okay, so someone's Omar Opa did not come and tell specifically the story of the Snallygaster? No. What happened was what they were seeing around the area and what they were experiencing in the area, they just took the superstitions of half of what something did in Europe and then something else that happened in, in Europe took the other half. Okay. Well, this must be a new monster. This must be something new. Okay. So we got to call it something, right? Okay. Well, they called it the Schnellergeist. The Schnellergeist. I'll, I'll do it one more time. The Schnellergeist. Gesundheit. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Which means quick spirit. And it's very interesting to note that they called it a spirit rather than some sort of beast. Okay. Yeah. So it implies that what they were describing may have been a ghost. But the original wording does come from the earliest incarnations of it having certain attributes such as siren, demons, ghosts of that nature. The German word Schnellergeist may have been an issue of pronunciation, of people not understanding what they were saying, a loss in translation, but eventually the word Schnellergeist led on to what we know as the Snellygaster. The Snellygaster. Snellygaster. I said, I said Snelly, didn't I? Snelly. Let us go into from the origins and of- the stories from 1730 all the way up to the first sighting in 1909. This thing must have had a lot of transition, a lot of imagination, a lot of evolution from the 1730s all the way up to what it was described currently 
as you know a a beast that has tentacles and whatnot because the original description does have a lot of demon siren ghouly things to it me as someone who believes in this type of stuff is very interesting to note that the original description the stories doesn't necessarily match up to what it was citing in 1909. Okay, the original stories were very, ooh, it's spooky, it's a ghost. And right. then it became, it's a vicious monster bird thing. Yeah, it was described as having enormous wings, a long pointed bill, steel hooks, like metallic. Like talons, but made of metal? Right. Right, right. Okay. It did have an eye in the center of his forehead, and it did make screeches like a locomotive whistle. So I just had this whole mental image from How to Train Your Dragon and how Hiccup and Toothless both lose a part and they make a prosthetic. I just pictured that this bird lost its little feet, and so Vikings made it the blacksmith metal talons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. really, we should be feeling sorry for this poor little amputee cryptid. With its little Viking talons, and <laughs> it's quite a bit of time after the Vikings, so maybe it just gets passed down from generation to generation. Yeah, yeah, possibly. <laughs> and then all of the artwork that I've seen about the Snallygaster, it does have this comical small wings, so like both ends of his body is drooping because it's too heavy to pull Aww. up. So it's actually it's quite fun to look at. But of course, there's other ones that are just freaking terrifying, and those are really cool too. So in 1909, this story was printed actually in the Middleton Valley Register, which was a newspaper within this town. Okay. It claimed that a man was swooped up by this thing. All of his blood was drained and then it was dumped along a hillside. So now it's a vampire? You see, the thing about it is when it was talking about it draining its blood, there was nothing in the 1730s stories about it taking blood away from its victims. Okay. So just, just a lack of blood. Yeah. So it, it didn't really necessarily say that it was, it was taking the blood to feed or or anything. Okay. But it did say what in the, in the article, it did say that it was drained of blood. So either a, it was cut and then drained and then dumped or cut. And it was, used as sustenance and then it was dumped i mean maybe it's just a very sophisticated hunter we when we hunt we drain things of blood so maybe it was just getting ready to prepare it to go into a cellar i probably and then he just you know tripped and dropped it so in the sky. yeah and then this thing this story ran as a front page headline wow it was it was very, very, very cool to see the actual headline of, of this story. The, the picture was there was a scene in the, in the back with two gentlemen in front with weapons. I think one had a shotgun and then there was a small little thing in the corner and it then described what it did. A beast like this to make headline front page news. And this was five years before World War One. Like the news must have been very, very slow. So in the 1730s, this is before the story that ran in the paper. It was known around this town. So it's not like this is a brand new thing. It's not like you saw this thing. It was like, oh, what the hell was that? No, the dude saw it. And then it was like, oh, that's the Snallygaster. Because in the 19th century, it is believed that these stories were told to frighten slaves, either to do what they say or to frighten them to go back into slavery or to not be around certain areas because the sound gas is going to get you okay can we clarify what year is that in the 17 this is the 19th century so the 1800s okay please continue so we are frightening slaves this is just to let you know that this wasn't a new thing stories were being told about this this creature Mm mm-hmm and if you lived in the area, much like our previous episodes, like the Rougarou and other stories, you grew up listening to. You know about what that is. When the paper ran this article in 1909, it made national news. It became viral. It was that. It was that. <laughs> it was viral before the word viral was around. Yeah, it was. It was that big. You talked about other episodes, too, about things becoming like this, things Mm -hmm. that became national news. So it became so big that the Smithsonian Institution offered a reward for the hide of the Snallygaster. 
Interesting. I mean, that could really even just be a way of saying like, hey, we know you're full of shit, so prove it. Yeah. When you talk about possible new creatures, intellectuals, scientists, biologists, what have you, they're going to be those those people who are like, whatever, that fucker is not, is not real. That's, not, that's me. That's not true. But there are going to be those people who are like, okay, okay, I'll tell you what. We'll offer a reward to prove what you're talking about so we can research this. And really, I say that it would be me saying, you know, being the one that's like, oh, that can't be real. I would probably truly be the one that's like, you know what? Cool. Bring it to me. I'll give you a million dollars because I'm going to benefit from that. If you bring it to me, cool. Now we have a scientific discovery. We can all do all these things, but I don't believe you can do it. So I'm not going to give up my million dollars. And we do know from from previous cryptos that we have researched that when people did go and try to prove or disprove this thing, we know that in some cases it did turn out to be true, like the kimono dragon. Oh, okay. I thought you meant with the Snallygaster for a second. I was like, whoa. Oh, you no, lost no, no, me. no. And word got to the president of the United States, President Theodore Roosevelt, who said he would postpone an African safari to go personally hunt this thing. Okay. But let's just talk about Teddy Roosevelt for a second, because this guy was, we don't say the word crazy, he was an intense person when it came to hunting and all the manly aspects. Well, Theodore Roosevelt founded the Department of Interior. He's a person that spearheaded National Park Service hunting conservation, which goes into the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Oh, yeah, he was a a manly man. I mean, I... Don't know very much about his politics, if I'm really honest. So I can't say if I, you know, would have or would not have supported him. Plus, we're not a politics podcast, but I could 100% see just from what I do know about dear old Teddy, like this is the man that would naked arm wrestle a grizzly bear. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. We actually, we almost talked about a picture in the moose episode, the Spectre Moose episode, because it was a widely circulated hoax photo of him riding a moose. And Everyone just accepted it to be true because that is the kind of intense person he was. Come to find out it was similar to the Whopper Hopper story where they just cut two pictures and put them together really convincingly. But no, Teddy is a whole different level of masculinity. When this story ran in 1909, neighboring states started to send in information about the Sally Gaster. So we're talking about New Jersey, West Virginia, and Ohio, which is very interesting when you think about the 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 way a story might influence somebody's sighting of something. This only confirms that I am not familiar enough with this area of the U.S. because I'm like, it's close to West Virginia and Ohio. I just have no genuine concept of where these states are. And I look at the map pretty often <laughs> And I'm just like, how can you be touching Ohio and West Virginia? Where the fuck is Maryland? And I've seen pictures of it. I know it's real. I've seen it. But my brain does not put those together. So I lived in Virginia for, for many years. I don't even know where that is. <laughs> when, I was, when I was a kid. And we used to go to Maryland a lot to, to see the Baltimore Orioles play in Baltimore, Maryland. I was going to ask. I was going to make sure. Just <laughs> confirm. And that is a sport, right? That's baseball. Yes, yeah, baseball. <gasps> Good, oh, good on you. Good job. Look at me. And or- I know what an Oriole is. It's, it's a, a bird. bird. G- will you just let me have my moment? <laughs> Give me my victories. Yeah. So that cluster of states up there. So it's Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, West Virginia is to the west. And then up north is Massachusetts, New York, Pennsylvania, and all of the original colony states. And that countryside is, is gorgeous. When this story ran in 1909, these other states were, were pouring in information and nothing happened for 23 years. Ooh, the number 23. We just talked about Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah. 23 was one of his uh, darker movies, and I loved it. The stories that are coming in are stories of the Stanley Gaster, the sightings of uh, taking livestock, laying eggs, size of barrels and shit. It is a... That would hurt pushing <clears throat> out. Well, it makes sense that it lays eggs because it's half reptilian. And a bird. <clears throat> And a bird, correct. Birds lay eggs. Birds lay eggs too. So it, the <laughs> would you put that in the blue episode? No, that one's staying in the real episode. <laughs> so in 1932, when the next incident happened, 
It's reported that a Stanley Gaster crashed into a moonshiner's mash barrel and drowned. And the reason why I know this is during Prohibition, because they use the Snallygaster as an excuse for the noise from moonshine stills at night to scare Prohibition agents away. This is the perfect cryptid because this is also really similar to the Rockbolt slider in Colorado. That as we an excuse to, to, to scare do the people. mining. Yeah. Okay, this, this really is the perfect one year anniversary cryptid. We could not have planned this better. If I was a federal prohibition agent and sent out to destroy these moonshine stills and some guy just comes up to me and says, no, the noise you hear, no, that's not a moonshine still at all. It's a, a giant winged reptilian bird thing with tentacles coming out of its mouth. And I'm going to be like, okay. When you talk about what it was and how people were talking about it. The lore of it is interesting as well. So according to lore, this thing only has a 20 year lifespan. So on the first sighting in 1909, it is said that the next sighting in 1932, it could have been his offspring. Well, yeah, with those barrel sized eggs, it was leaving everywhere in Ohio. It could have been his children. And those stories were, were also pouring into like editorial postings or okay. people coming in and, and being like, oh, yeah, well, I know that Snallygaster only lives 20 years. So that couldn't be the same one. It was just, it's his children. Oh, my gosh. It's like the moose all over. It's the moose all over again. Holy shit. <laughs> and <laughs> thank you for being so appreciative of my contribution <laughs> to this episode. <laughs> and also, according to Lord, this is the only cryptid that we have that has a natural enemy. Oh. Another cryptid, which is called the Dueyo. The Dueyo, for those who are from that area, should know what this is, but it is a, a biped wolf. Bipedal. Bipedal. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because we got a corrected on about this. Which is fine. We welcome corrections. It just cracks me up because pedal sounds like it. A peed a little bit. A peed a little bit. Or it sounds like, you know, like. Yeah, something phallic. A bipedal wolf creature that does not resemble a werewolf at all. What it is, is just a giant dog-like wolf creature that's on two legs with no intimidating huge upper half that a werewolf would have. And what I think this the the Dwayo is, is the creature that we keep on getting tagged on on a social media that was in Dallas, the picture that we saw- the Amarillo Zoo? The Amarillo, Amarillo Zoo. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a Dwyer now. That's, the, that's what <laughs> We I thought it was. it was a Rougarou, a juvenile Rougarou. Now we think it's a Dwyer. Oh, I, I think the Dwyer is the fence rail dog that just got fed up with being stuck on that one part of the highway and popped up on two legs and walked over to Maryland. Yeah. But what's interesting about this thing having a natural enemy is that the first account of it didn't happen until 1944 in West Middleton, in Frederick County. Okay. So in the original stories, this thing didn't have a, a well, the Sanligaster didn't have a enemy. It was just a, a creature that existed that would send fear down, you know, uh, in your mind and down your spine. This creature, its enemy, the Dryo didn't appear again until November 27th in 1965. So now you're thinking, well, all this stuff doesn't really add up. So why did it have an enemy in 1944 shouldn't have an enemy when it was first created in the 1730s? Well, I think at that point, maybe the Dwyer was down in the Alabama region with the Alabama wolf woman and was like kicking around. And then its enemy at the time would have been the cactus cat. Oh, okay. So it was cats and dogs. And then, you know, got sick of that. So it went from Delaware as the fence rail dog down to Alabama, had a girlfriend, fought the cactus cat in California, and then made its way up to Maryland. That's fantastic. (laughs) We're going to mention every episode yeah, that we've we done yeah, we because this is the one year anniversary. I'm going to make every single one tie into this. <laughs> so, so I ask you, like, how did it become enemies? How did these two become a, a thing? Well, there's an answer. Tell Lore me. states that the Dwayo happens because it comes from a Snallygaster's egg. The Dwayo is born from a Snallygaster. It's a rogue egg, a rogue offspring that hatches and has these human-like traits, but doesn't necessarily grow up to be human. It becomes this this doll creature. 
awesome. I hadn't heard that before. That's really cool. Yeah, I do. I do really enjoy that the enemy of the thing is its children. I mean, same, bro. (laughs) One hundo. And this is another cryptid that we have that there is a way to ward it off. And the way that you ward it off is you use heptagrams. Now, for those of you who don't know what a heptagram is, heptagram is a traditional symbol, a seven-pointed symbol that is used warding off evil in Catholicism. And if you kind of pay attention to certain law enforcement badges, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of remember or you remember seeing that the badges are seven-pointed stars. So law enforcement warding off evil, hey, you know? Okay. And one of those things is is cool, too, is that you can still walk around some of these areas in Frederick County, Maryland, and still see the heptagrams painted onto buildings, establishments, sometimes even houses. They have these heptagrams out there to ward off evil. And one of the things that they ward off, the Sonogaster. So they were really just out there painting these on buildings to ward off this monster? Yeah, because, you know, when the Germans did bring all these superstitions with them, and like I said before, it's a mixture of all these different things, supernatural and scary and and ghoul in Germany. A lot of them take on the characteristics such as the Wuppertinger, the Nachtrap, and the Eisrich. I hope I'm saying I hope I'm pronouncing those correctly. I don't think we know anybody that speaks German, but let me let you know that we have at least one German listener that I see pop up on our stats. If you're the German listener, shoot us a message and let us know how to say these things. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I love the seven pointed star. I have seen it in a lot of different religions. And so I want to take just a quick little moment, if people are going to think we're educational, to kind of throw out some of the different ways that the seven-pointed star has been used. So in Catholicism, it represents the seven days that God took to create the earth, because seven is a very holy number. And that is one of the biggest ones there. It is also used in Islam, where it represents for the first seven verses of the Quran. Oh, It is also used in Kabbalistic traditions, and it's associated with the sphere of Netzach, Nitzach. In medieval times, the symbol was used by alchemists because you have the seven metals. So lead, copper, mercury, silver, tin, iron, and gold. There are also seven colors in the rainbow. So we're going to kind of close out Pride Month with that little thing. So seven just has like a whole bunch of different things that are associated with it. But I found one in every religion. And if you're a Game of Thrones fan, which we are until the last season, the High Sparrow actually refers to his symbol as the seven-pointed star. Cool. So, yeah, I mean... If it's good enough for Martin, it's good enough for us, I guess, and good enough for the Snallygaster. Yeah, and if you play a lot of modern games, the symbol is also used as occult symbolism. A lot of Call of Cthulhu games, Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, Starfinder, things like that, they use that symbol as religious and occult symbolism, which mm-hmm. is which is which is really cool. And probably because it has so many different bases, you can't say like, oh, that is anti this religion or anti this religion. It's anti all religions, okay? Sure. So what that leads is, well, what was it? What could it have been? But these originate from a European lore and what the Snallygaster is, it offers this new creature. The last sighting was in nineteen thirty two after that, there was nothing at all. It just kind of fell off the, well, fell off the world. Of course, you know, people still talk about it today. Of course, there have been no sightings, but it has been referenced in 21st century entertainment. It's been in children's books. It's been in movies, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. It's been in video games, one of my favorite franchises in Fallout. It's in Fallout 76. And you can find the Snallygaster at 
Toxic Larry's Meet and Go between Hanwright Industrial Headquarters and Charleston Capitol Building, amongst others, within the northern part of the map where that that water park is, where all the ghouls are at. You're going real deep. Yeah, you, you, you can find a couple out there, and there is also a couple of really nasty creatures out there. But if but a Salagaster is ranked like very very high, it just obliterated me. But the description of the Salagaster in the game doesn't have a wing. It is a bird reptile like creature that has a beak and it spits out this this acidic goo at you but yeah it's in it's in that you know franchises as as well someone actually mentioned on our instagram they referenced death claws on one of our posts and my reply was that might be a spoiler for an upcoming episode knowing that we were recording this today (laughs) (laughs) yeah death claws are are nasty man i love fallout fallout is is one of my favorite franchises app game where you built the vault shelter fallout shelter yeah. yeah i played that one so why hasn't there been another encounter after that? Well, here's why. Because it was a hoax. That Wait, you're saying it's a hoax? Well, the story that is printed. I mean, no, I just I just want to hear you no, say that it's a hoax. I I believe <laughs> that there may be a gnarly reptilian bird tentacle flying creature lovecraftian horror yeah that is nestled in a mountain cave somewhere tending to its barrel-sized eggs yeah in western maryland i that is that's cool hell yeah it it has tea and crumpets with sasquatch that's that's fantastic i I love it (laughs) but editor george roderick and reporter ralph wolf admitted to telling the story in the 1909 printing of the Middleton Valley Register, that it was fake. And the reason they want to do it, so people can read their their paper. What they did was actually pretty ingenious. They took the 1730s story of the Snallygaster. The 18th century story. The 18th century stories of the Snallygaster, what it looked like. And then they sprinkled in another hardcore cryptid, the Jersey Devil, that was cited five years earlier. Oh, okay. And then they printed the story in 1909. Man, I don't even know if I'm mad about it. Did they sell some newspapers? This, this, they sold a fuck ton because what happened was other papers jumped on the act. The Baltimore Sun, the Washington fucking Post printed a story about the experience of the Snallygaster. As the scrutiny increased, there were more pressure from other agencies and other organizations to photograph or capture mm-hmm. the beast. So much so that National Geographic was preparing an expedition to capture it on film. <laughs> How it became known as a hoax to avert this widespread panic the baltimore sun reported its death after its last sighting in 1932 what a cop out for real but it is it is noted that the middleton valley register the baltimore sun the washington post and other surrounding newspapers who did stories on the snallygaster during this time had a 221% increase of newspaper sales. Mm, Okay. At the time, when people were reading paper, Mm -hmm. a 231% increase in sales. Yeah. I mean, some big wig, you know, fat cat was getting a whole lot of money for, Mm -hmm. for these stories being printed. Yeah. But yeah, it was straight up a, a hoax. I wonder if they were actually getting stories from Ohio. And West Virginia, or if they were just saying like, oh, from our source over here in another state that you can neither confirm nor deny says, or if people in those states were going like, oh, shit. And they've got their own, you know, unique individuals that are coming up with their stories and sending those stories in confirmation bias. When you think about the the German location of the towns that neighbor the first sighting in Maryland, Hagerston, Middleton, Gaplin, Burkittsville. And the other states around it, they all know the same story. They grew yeah. up. They grew up knowing all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. When supposedly the person A from Ohio 
writes in and says, oh, yeah, one drowned in my moonshine mash barrel. <laughs> I mean, what a hell of a way to go, though. Oh, indeed. It, and to think about how it sparked this entire nationwide, we, we got to hunt it. We got to find it. We got to photograph it. I am one of those people who, if you tell me that there is a, a beast living in New Mexico that has 16 eyes and nine tails and it has one horn that hooks and then it grants you 16 wishes. I'm like, awesome. That's fantastic. None of those were the number 23. And if you add them <laughs> up, they did not equal 23. So I reject this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm first on board to be like, all right, cool. Like, rock on. Just try to find it. <laughs> I was I was talking to the Corpus Christi Originals podcast earlier today. And I, we were talking a little bit about the premise of our show And I asked him, I'm like, okay, well, I got to know before we talk about anything else, do you believe in Bigfoot? And I was like, I just, I always have to ask first thing. They're like, no, no, I don't. I was like, cool, me either. But my husband, um, if you told him that pixie sticks were made with real pixies, he'd be like, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. What they do is they catch them in these big nets, which uh, I'm against, by the way. They're inhumane. That's inhumane. They need to be treatment. Yeah. They need to be organically farmed. Harvested. Yeah. and (laughs) (laughs) And they grind them up. And, uh, like the giant from Jack and the Beanstalk yeah. to make their bread. Yeah, I'm I'm all I'm all about it. I need some pixie stick bread now. So yeah, it was it was all a hoax, and it sparked this entire this, this entire wave of reactions. Much like today, like if you were to to post something outrageous on the socials, there's chances are you're going to get a lot of people either positive or negative. You're still going to get it. So that's what they did, and. It proved to be beneficial to them. Yeah. I mean, financially, for sure. Yeah. Financially, their reputation didn't, you know, falter because, hey, the Washington Post is still on there. You know? Right. Life magazine at the time was also going to do a expose and an investigation expedition to this area to try to find the Snallygaster. That is just, that's mind boggling. I love it. I, I love, I, I absolutely love it. I 100% dig it. Which would lead, leads me to rating this this cryptid. What we do is towards the end of the show, we rate our cryptid one to five golden Nessies. And I personally give this thing a five out of five because it's a, a gnarly looking thing that makes absolutely no sense. That is that is 100% out of a cosmic horror entity, even though they say it's a hoax. Eh, was it a hoax? Or did the men in black come and shut everything down and make everybody print all this stuff that's saying that it was a hoax because it has it has the soundgaster in the research facility and right next to the chupacabra <clears throat> on a base in Puerto Rico. Yep, and they're just they're just petting it and they're just like, hey, are you, are you good? And the soundgaster goes blah, 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 because it has it has the octopus tentacles and yeah, it's I I love it. So I am not going to agree with you on your rating. Which normally I think we're pretty close in our ratings, like maybe like one or two off. I think I'm only going to go for two Nessies on this one. How dare you? Well, let me kind of like, you know, fill out my thoughts here. I think it is a very unique cryptid. And that is the reason it's going to get two even from me. I mean, it's unique enough that I based our logo kind of off of some of the descriptions that I read. We have a double-headed eagle that has tentacles and stuff like it was a mashup but really I I remembered kind of a description and wasn't really familiar with it you did a great job presenting it thank you but it's just it's missing something I guess or maybe the magic kind of fell out a little bit when it was like oh but it was confirmed to be a hoax you know it's missing a photo okay but it was like (laughs) yeah you know what a photo is missing if there was a photo it would be five no, maybe it was just like, a, I feel a little robbed because they're just like, yeah, we made it up. If this had just just been a legend, just been folklore, or if, you know, maybe the hoax acknowledgement hadn't come out, it would have some lingering magic for me. But with the confirmation of, hey, guys, yeah, we faked it. It would feel like it was ringing untrue. So maybe I don't have a pinpoint reason on to why it's not a higher rated cryptid for me. But I'm going to go with a two for the Snallygaster, but five stars for 50 State of Terror. 
which if you like us, could you please leave us a rating? Yeah. Most of your listening platforms have rating systems. So give us a rating. If you leave us a rating and a review, it really just helps other people see us. So it's already going to be people who are into cryptid. So just let them know that, hey, I have the scripted podcast that I really like. Hey, I learned something or hey, I think they're funny. I think their dad jokes are adorable. I think they're banging and we want other people to listen to them. Just throw us what you think is fair. Maybe put a couple notes of encouragement. We would really appreciate it. It could be our anniversary gift from you to us. <laughs> five stars, five golden rings, whatever you want it to be. It's not Christmas, but it's cool. So two Nessies for Snallygaster, five stars for 50 States of Terror. Happy one year podversary, Anthony Diaz. Happy one year podversary, Kaylee Diaz. We are the Diaz. Is. The Diaz is is. SSI. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us for another week of 50 States of Terror. We have some really exciting guests that I do not want to announce until we actually get them recorded, but we're super excited. We have a whole special theme that we're going to do. We're going to take a break from the States just for the month of October, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be a free-for-all. We're just so freaking excited. Yay, yay. All right, we will see you again in two weeks. If you're interested in hearing from us in the meantime, always you are welcome to join us over on the Patreon where you will receive an additional episode in the bye week. So just for the equivalent of buying one of us a cup of coffee and not even a Starbucks coffee, I'm talking like a 7-Eleven coffee, mm-hmm. you get a whole extra episode. Which is good coffee if 7-Eleven wants to, wants to sponsor us. I prefer Circle K coffee, but... We will see you all again very soon. We will see you very soon. And thank you all for listening once again. Goodbye. Later. Do you need more 50 States of Terror? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you do. You can find us on Patreon, Facebook, and Instagram at 50 States of Terror. On Twitter, you can find us at 50 States Terror. You know, because of the character limit. (laughs) You can also email us directly at the50sot at gmail.com. Or check out the show notes for direct links via our link tree. We'll see you there. Yeah, you will. This episode was researched, written, and produced by 50 States of Terror, Kaylee and Anthony Diaz. Yep. Do you know why it's called the Oldland State? Nope. During the American Revolution. Boring. Go ahead. There there was a a line of free men who fought off the British and the British oncoming onslaught so that George Washington and his men can get away t- to regroup. That's fucking depressing. Well, that's why it's called the Oldland State. <laughs>